Tonight we continue our summer series in the Psalms. We're at Psalm 42. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are really connected. In fact, some would say they, they could have been just one longer psalm uh, without the division. And so next week we will be looking at Psalm 43. You know, people attend church for a variety of reasons. In some parts of the United States, people attend church because it is culturally acceptable. It's the thing that is expected of people in that culture. To be considered a Christian is smart for business, for politics, for those in education, and in general, important as a member of society in that part of the country. Others attend church for the community that it offers. They value a sense of belonging, which is one of Maslow's five hierarchy of needs, that sense of connection and friendship and intimacy and relationship. In fact, there is an atheist church, I know it seems like an oxymoron, across the river in Cambridge that embraces everything about the church except the belief that God exists. Still others are occasional and a fair-weather attenders. They attend not as much when compelled, but when it's convenient. These folks will attend on holidays, such as Easter and Christmas, maybe some days when they have nothing better to do, but probably not when it's approaching 90 degrees and there's no air conditioning in a place like this. Then there are those who see church as a vital component of their life. They desire the experience on a regular basis. The music is more about the presence of God. The teaching is more about words to live by. The friendships are more about what you can give rather than what you receive. The mission is more about seeing others filled with hope. And their giving is not about obligation but joyful participation in supporting Christ's kingdom work through the local church. Dave's experience was the latter. It was a vital component in his life. He didn't just like church, he loved church. He was the first to arrive among the last to leave. Dave felt a sense of protection in that setting, shielded from the harsh realities of the world. He was so happy there, he would lift his voice with joyful shouts, kind of like when your favorite artist comes on stage and you go crazy. That was Dave at church. But in time, things changed for Dave. The circumstances in life turned south, and worshiping at church was a distant memory. How he missed it. He traveled a bit, and no matter where he was in the city, hiking a mountain trail, sailing on a boat. His mind often traveled back to those glory days when he was worshiping with his community. Now he felt himself depressed a lot, at times to the point of tears. In fact, it seems tears were often his staple food because he often didn't have an appetite to eat. He was lonely, but often with people, I guess being with people doesn't necessarily mean companionship. The people around him certainly didn't support him like his church community had. They saw Dave's life was upside down, that he was depressed, lonely, and even suffering physically, but all they did was sneer and repeatedly say, where is your God, Dave? 
Where is your God? Honestly, Dave wondered that too. Where was his God? At one time, he felt so close to God. But now God was seemingly nowhere to be found. Fully broken, seemingly forgotten, physically in pain, Dave was at the end of his rope. Now Dave's problem was that he couldn't find footing at this point in his life. He describes his plight with these words, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. It's rather poetic, but it's very telling. It's like sitting at the base of Niagara Falls and trying to have a conversation. All one can hear is the noise of the waterfalls. Dave is saying that the roar of his travails are so loud they are drowning out any messages that are life-giving. He's got his good memories, but memories are not enough to sustain him. He needs support, and he needs it now. He also uses waves like those in the ocean to describe his condition. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. In that statement, he uses a metaphor that perhaps all of us can relate to. You're at the beach and you're, you're walking out into the ocean and a wave hits you and you go a little deeper and the wave's more powerful and before long it like knocks you over and you lose your balance and then you find your footing again only to be smashed with another wave and it knocks you over and this is what's happening in Dave's life at this point. Just as soon as the wave hits him, he thinks he's found his footing again Smash, another wave comes. I won't ask for a show of hands if you've ever been in a season of your life like that. But I'm sure that many of you, if not all of you, have one thing after another, after another, after another. Who's to blame? Don't you want to blame somebody in the season? Like, who's to blame? It's got to be someone. Dave's talking to God, believe it or not, and God is getting some of the blame. He cries, the deep roar of your waterfalls. It's your waves and it's your breakers. Pointing the finger of blame gives temporary consolation, but it provides no answers. By this time, most of you, if not all of you, have figured out that Dave is really David. Thought I would break it up since we're in this series all summer. David's metaphor is part of a greater discourse, and maybe it's time I shared it with you. As I read this scripture, maybe look for clues of how David's situation can be resolved. Hear the word of the Lord. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, 
the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Tonight I'd like to suggest three observations from this passage of scripture that I hope can be helpful to you whenever you find your inner person struggling. We call it your soul or your spirit. When you're having a hard time finding your footing in life, when wave after wave tends to be crashing over you. Step one I suggest to you tonight is stop and recognize the need. Stop and recognize the need. David's main problem is a footing issue, but he doesn't need a podiatrist for what ails him. The footing that he needs is spiritual in nature. It seems he is correlating finding his footing in life with a spiritual thirst. It's a thirst so intense he likens it to a deer on a summer day that's running through the forest, panting for water, looking for a brook or a pond that finally this deer can get a little drink. But David's done an important thing. He's hit the pause button. And that's hard for us to do in this fast-paced society. We can go day after day, week after week, month after month, sometimes year after year, without stopping and reflecting, what's going on? My life is out of control. To do a little introspection, some reflection, and to look at your life. He hits the pause button. He stops. He reflects. He evaluates. Ultimately, he discovers what he needs. You know, it's one thing to discover what one needs, but it's another to find hope that that can be realized, fully experienced. Hope to hit the reset button, which brings us to step number two, which is to reveal the source of hope. He has stopped. He's recognized his need to thirst after God's presence, to be with the Lord. Thirsting, in his case, is that longing, that desire to meet with God. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Dave's hope lies in meeting with God, being in his presence. The time like we have this evening is a time where we gather and we worship and we know that scripture says and we have experienced that the Lord dwells among those who praise him. So why do we sing songs? Why do we come together and lift our hearts 
with affectionate words, meanings from our heart to the Lord. It's because he inhabits, he dwells among those who praise him. But friends, beyond what happens here on a Sunday, the Lord is available to you for you to be in his presence Monday through Saturday. And to find this time of being in his presence, to find the richness and the, the hope, the comfort, the strength, the joy, the peace that comes in his presence. What David is saying is nothing else, no one else will do. There's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. And I would add this, that friends, there's no situation that you will ever face where being in the presence of the Lord will not help you. If you're in a summer, we talked about Paul's transition. Paul, what I would say to you is increase your time in the presence of the Lord. And that's going to be a challenge because you're packing, you're unpacking, you're going to a new job, finding a new apartment, a new place to live. But you can soar, and we can soar above these transitional times in our life in times of great challenge, times that are difficult, times when we're grieving, we're mourning, we're needing comfort. We cannot just hang on and survive, but we can literally soar above that if we are with the Lord. And this is what David is talking about. Very difficult time. He's being rejected by those around him. He's in physical pain. We don't know what the issue is in this chapter, but he's struggling physically. And all he has is the hope of meeting with God. And even in that moment, God seems distant. Not only is he rejected by his peers, but he feels that God has rejected him. It's not abnormal to feel like that. There's a long line of Christ followers before us that have felt abandoned by God. Where is God when I need him? But David is holding on to the hope. That's what this word means. Hope of being in the presence of the Lord. And above all, that is where his thirst is for. Not to network with people. Not to to work out things that are going to necessarily, as he sees them, make it happen. But just to be with God. Nothing else will do. Now, after this discovery, something strange happens, which brings us to our third step when we're going through this time of trying to find our footing when the waves are crashing against us. Step three is rehearsing the hope with myself. That's kind of an odd statement, rehearsing the hope with myself. Simply put, that is talking to yourself. Talking to yourself, talking to your soul, your spirit. Twice in this chapter, and then we'll see next week, he comes back again with this same statement. He gives himself a pep talk. Verses 5 and 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David recognizes that he's somewhere in the middle of this situation. This isn't the end. The end will come. He'll get through this season, and that's why he says, yet I will praise him. God is going to see me through, and I will praise him again. Is he praising him that day? It doesn't sound like it. 
Again, he, his life's upside down, but he sees, he has enough hope to say, to envision, one day I will praise him again. Sometimes that's the best that we can do, to hold on and say, God's going to see me through and I will praise him yet. He holds on to the promise that is found in this passage. And it's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And I am honored to just read this once again. It's verse 8 of Psalm 42. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. What is David saying? He's saying, well, I'm going I'm to rest in this promise that every day God's love is with me. It's called a pursuing steadfast love. It's a love that chases people down. And so he's standing on this saying, by day God's love will be with me. Not only that, this is the icing on the cake. At night, his song is with me. I used to meet with a gentleman uh, on a regular basis, and we prayed together. And uh, I would find him sometimes, he would pray this prayer. He said, Lord, give Randall songs in the night. And I thought, that's a very eloquent prayer. It's really, I welcome that. I would love to have songs in the night. But it's scriptural that by day the love of the Lord is with us and by night his songs will be with us. There'll be music when it seems like life would drown out. Music. One of another favorite verse I have is in Zephaniah 3.17. That God sings over us. Do you know God sings? God loves us so much that in the night seasons of our most challenging times, there'll be a song, a melody that will trickle into our spirit. You may not hear it like Bach or Beethoven or Mozart or if you're into jazz, you know, you name it, John Mayer, whatever. I mean, it might not sound like that. It may not sound, but there's going to be a melody of encouragement that's going to come into your spirit. And you're going to wake up, and you might have a dream that increases, but you're going to wake up feeling, oh, God is with me during this night. And now, a new day, God's love's going to be with me. This is how David's going to make it through the season, and ultimately, as he refers to the God of his life. I love that, God of his life. David thirsted to be with God, and he put his hope in God, but why would he do so? Was there something tangible that God provided for David besides what we've described? Perhaps the key is in how David addresses God. In verse 9, he says, I say to God, my rock. David's lived long enough to realize that life can be very unstable. The things that you count on can suddenly be taken away from you. There's footing that he needs, a solid foundation, when everything else has been stripped away. His support system is gone. There's only naysayers around saying, where's your God, David? 
I hate to tell you this, but there's gonna be times when your support system blows up. It could mean that they move away, you move away, something fractures a relationship, something happens, and you're like, where is all the encouraging friends? Where did they go? This is why we need a rock of our life that's ever present in Jesus Christ. It's the hope that the hymn writer wrote about, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. It's why Anchor Church, when it was launched, when it was formed back in 2013, why we chose as a foundational verse, Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Who is this anchor? Jesus Christ. David was counting on the mercy of his rock to reestablish connection with him. Thus the prayer. Another key may be found in the classic deep calls to deep expression. Have you ever read that verse? You don't raise your hand and you're, what in the world is this saying, really? Deep calls to deep. It's very eloquent, I just very poetic, and, but I have no idea what this means. I'll raise my hand, I've been there. Oh, you're a super theological people out there. No, we've never, we've always known exactly what that means. John Bunyan, author of The Great Pilgrim's Progress, wrote, Deep calls to deep. What is that? Why it is expressed in the verse before, my soul is downcast within me. Downcast is deep into the jaws of mistrust and fear. And get this statement that Bunyan writes, and Lord, my soul in this depth of sorrow calls for help from your depth of mercy. John Bunyan writes here what he's suggesting that this perhaps means is that as deep as your sorrow is, that you're calling on the depth of God's mercy his love and his care for you to see you through. Now that I embrace. And I think the Lord would forgive us if we we were a little bit off in that interpretation, but I love that. As deep as our sorrow is, our time of challenge is, that deep, my deep, calls to the depth of God's mercy. And we are recipients of that. He goes on, for though I am sinking, I am going down, yet not so low, but that your mercy is yet underneath me. Do of your compassions open those everlasting arms and catch me as I have no help in none other. By being in God's presence, the foundation of David's life will be reestablished. Hope will take him from lamenting that he can't go back to those good old, good old days and that congregation and that setting. It's going to take him from lament to hope about his future as he trusts in God. Yet I will praise him. I want to leave you with two questions as we come to a time of response in just a moment. First of all, do you have a solid foundation for your life? What if your support system did blow up? It wasn't there. Would you have a rock, a support, a foundation for your life in Jesus Christ? Jesus is the rock, the foundation. As it says in Proverbs, 
Jesus is a friend. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Ever-present, never leaving you, never forsaking you. His spirit will be with you. Do you have a solid foundation for your life? And the second question, this is for Christ's followers tonight. Are you thirsty? It's good to ask this on a summer's day. Are you thirsty for more of God in your life? What's your thirst quotient? If 10 is like going all a summer day, running, walking, and just can't wait until you get something to drink, and one would be maybe being satisfied by lesser things that seemingly are promised to quench a thirst deep inside, but they never are satisfying. My prayer for our community is that the thirst quotient would spike, not just because it's summer, but in a spiritual way, that we would hunger and thirst for more of God in a growing manner, and we would sense this in a spiritual momentum heading into the fall, that we individually will pray more, but then as we come together that first Wednesday of August, that we will walk and pray and seek the face of God for the lost and the dying in Boston, and that we would soar above whatever stuff we're going through, whether it's in our family or with friends or our career or whatever it might be. Are you thirsty? And it's okay, it might be that you begin your conversation with God, Lord, where are you? Where have you been? You seem so distant, but I'm asking you to come. And I'm praying like David prayed, when can I go meet with you? When will you meet with me? And to be honest before him. I pray for new moments that you have with Jesus. New hope as we affirm God as our rock, our strength, and our song. Like water to the thirsty deer, nothing else would satisfy David's thirst like being with God. Nothing satisfies like Jesus in the presence of the Lord. It's still true today. Nothing else, nothing else will do. Let's pray together.